From the 1011 Now streaming studio in Lincoln, Nebraska, this is the End Report Husker Show. Hello, everyone. Bill Rentschler in the 1011 Now streaming studio, as always, joined by sports director Kevin Suits and sports reporter Chase Madison. It is Tuesday, October 3rd. I had to check the calendar because there is the potential for severe weather later this afternoon. Uh, but it is actually October. We got October football to talk about coming up. Uh, an early week, playing on Friday uh, of this week, traveling to Illinois. We heard from Coach Rule yesterday. We heard from coordinators today, as well as several players. And uh, Kevin, Chase, they they sounded a little feisty. They're ready to bounce, or at least they want to bounce back in, in, in the right way. Monday was probably the most emotion we've seen out of Matt Rule uh, outside of game day. I'd maybe say we've seen out of him altogether as Nebraska's head coach. Mm -hmm. And that's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. We just saw a little bit of uh, fire out of Nebraska's coach. He's not happy with the way Saturday played out, a 45-7 loss to Michigan. Yes, Michigan is good. Matt Rule was pretty unhappy with the way, not effort, but just their hesitancy. The, the, the go-get-him-ness, go yes. I think, is a... Uh, and again, he, he really wanted to make a point like it's not the fire. The guys were, you know, were fired up to play, but there just wasn't enough on Saturday. And it's interesting and maybe why we're fixated on this at the moment. And it's been maybe the biggest headline out of Nebraska football so far this week is because Matt rules to this point has preached patience, doubling down on the process getting these guys to believe, and now all of a sudden with a loss and in the fashion that Saturday was, we saw, I guess, I don't want to say urgency because that indicates like he feels like they need to win now. Mm -hmm. Of course they want to. But there's just a, a sense of like, well, we got to better flip this thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, they went right back to practice on Sunday. And this has been a major storyline that's developed over the past few days is getting these players to talk about well, you normally practice on Sunday. What was so? Mm -hmm. Well, they went full pads. Sounds like they scrimmaged and they scrimmaged hard. And Chase got to talk to MJ Sherman this morning uh, at outside the practice facility, and MJ did not hold back in talking about that Sunday practice. Yeah, he uh, he used some foul language to say, you know, if. <laughs> We were playing – why weren't we playing like that on Saturday if we were kicking butt on Sunday, essentially, is what he said. Um, and, you know, it's good to see. There's uh, – some of the players were more – not melancholy, but more um, neutral. But he was someone that was a little bit more amped up about Sunday's practice. And it just goes to show that I think, yes, it was unusual. Um, a lot, some of the players have said they had never done something like that in their entire football career. And some of these guys have – played a lot of college football. Um, but it just goes to show that the team didn't respond like that. And uh, it was an intense practice. Yeah, usually it's Tuesday, we've heard, is bloody Tuesday. Obviously with the short week, game on Friday, schedule changes, and it sounds like Sunday took the place of bloody Tuesday. And the consistent theme there is – Buckle up your chin strap, get after it, and hit hard. Which a lot of programs, 
They don't do that. You know, when you're in season, you're trying to keep everybody healthy, and it's more about mental reps and learning the opponent, knowing your assignments. But with Matt Rule, as he continues to try to establish the culture and get his team to play a specific way, he's all about getting on the grass and playing. That's what his coaching staff continues to say. And I thought Matt Rule was an interesting comment he made on Monday is that I believe so much in them. I want them to believe as much as I do. Mm -hmm. So it's like the coaching staff's belief is higher than the players, which I think is very fascinating in the fact that, you know, Matt Rule inherited some of these players, yet he sees perhaps a higher, higher ceiling than the players do. Now, they've been dealt a pretty challenging hand because of all the injuries. Isaiah Garcia, Castaneda going down. That reshapes the running uh, the wide receiver room. The two running backs being out for the season, Gabe Irvin and Ramir Johnson. That puts Nebraska kind of behind the chain, so to say, with what they want to accomplish in the running game. We've seen guys get hurt defensively. Deshaun Singleton getting injured against Michigan. That's a big one because he had played so well, and he really embodied that fearless attitude on Nebraska's defense. Now they have to replace Deshaun Singleton, but the one saving grace in the secondary is that all of those guys, cornerbacks and safeties, and Rover, that's what they like to call their mm -hmm. uh, free safety, they're all cross-trained, so you can move your pieces around that's a little more challenging to do right now when you have a shortened week like they have with a Friday game against Illinois, but you can't slide somebody from corner to safety or from safety to rover. Uh, they just got to learn their assignments. There's one less day of prep here, uh, but after this week, Bill, this is where they have a bye week. They can maybe reset and reevaluate some things, but one thing stays true all the time with Matt Rule and this coaching staff, and that is to play physical and fearless. The physical part is coming. The fearless part, the coaching staff, I believe, thinks they need to get that out of their guys now. The sooner or the more that there's a delay in that, that there's going to be a delay in what they want to accomplish on the football field. And from one, the one thing I kind of took away from a lot of what you're saying with Rule, and again, wanting the team to believe in him as much as uh, in themselves as he does, Again, I think we saw a lot of that really – Matt Rule admits it. He does – there's a lot of tough coaching. He'll yell at guys. But then he goes out and we hear things like that where it's like, yeah, you're going to get the tough coaching, but you're also going to get, you know, him standing up at the podium talking like he talked about Tommy Hill uh, on Monday saying, like, you know, Tommy Hill, you know, he would go to war with Tommy Hill, uh, someone who's playing offense and defense today, uh, offense and defense this year. I wonder if there's an element of – now, Matt Rule has been a part of losses. He's been a part of lopsided losses, and he's a veteran coach. He's been around for a while uh, doing this. So, you know, I, I wondered on Monday as he passionately talked about where the team is currently at, what need, what is being diagnosed, and what needs to be fixed. Is there some embarrassment with him as the head coach losing forty-five to seven? And I don't think that that's really the case because he's gone through lopsided losses. For me, I think there's more of a frustration that you know his goal as the head coach and his assistants in their roles is to try to maximize the talent they have on the roster and i think that they all honestly believe they didn't quite get that to happen on saturday not even mm -hmm. close to where it needed to be to try to compete with michigan so i think that there's maybe some of that vulnerability that matt rule was showing and i think that's pretty admirable mm-hmm he he's done that several times already this year. Chase again after the uh, the Colorado loss at his post game, you know, 
whoever I think wanted to maybe said that's all the questions. He's like, no, I'll answer all your guys' questions. Um, and, you know, carrying on to Kevin's point, I think Matt Rule thinks they're close. He said on Monday, you know, Minnesota is kind of what it's supposed to look like. And you could kind of tell defense wasn't flying around as much uh, on Saturday like they were to open the year against Minnesota. Yeah, I think uh, this is a team that is not the exact same each week, which is something that uh, you'd like to see them get. But when they kind of lay an egg against Michigan, it's not a good sign. But yeah, uh, tack on to Kevin. He's a man of class. You know, he's he's been at the NFL level. He was had idea, but he also I've been impressed with is he own up to pretty much everything. So kind of came in at it with this urgency of attack and wanting to having the like the urgency, right? Like wins are wins and he said like if you're heartbroken about being two and three, like that's that shouldn't be the world being two and three right now. He mentioned it close Friday. But I think the way that he approached it as the urgency to play better. It's not necessarily about the wins right now. It's about playing better. I want to win. Um, that was me by his comments were on Monday. And definitely an urgency to win because they have a very winnable stretch of games. Don't you dare go there. The next four games. I'm just saying. You know that phrase. I mean, you're at Illinois on Friday. Illinois is currently two and three. You follow that up with a bye. You get healthy. And then you have Northwestern at home. They're currently two and three. You go to Purdue, or you have Purdue at home. They're currently two and three. And then you go to Michigan State, and they're currently two and three. Bill, right what, now, what, what is this? Right this now, this is college it's, football. Mm-hmm. It's really hard it's, to predict. It is. It's straight games, non-ranked opponents, which I think is an, a, that can change. But if that was the case, uh. Not maybe not new for Nebraska. I did think if you look back at the the past years for Nebraska, this is a this is a more favorable say in the winnable, but favorable. I like the fact I like the fact that Chase has been here a couple of months. He's already learned the legend of <laughs> the quote winnable games. Winnable uh, games. It's a throwback to Scott Frost saying that they had a winnable game against Purdue, and then Nebraska lost to Purdue. And as the coaches were shaking hand after the contest, there's a Purdue player who walked right next to Scott Frost and said, "Got a winnable game. We had a winnable game." That uh, somebody that, even resurfaced that video I recently. Was, I saw it. I saw uh, it was Dan Corey, I think. Who I would like to see his archive of just clips that GIFs, he has, gifs, whatever you call them, whatever, because he's got so many of them. Uh, but yeah, I, I recently saw that on Twitter too. Okay, to your point. Nebraska plays Illinois this week. The Huskers are a three-and-a-half-point underdog mm-hmm. on the road to an Illinois outfit that's really struggled holding on to the football this year. Uh, identical records. Both are 2-3. and three. Both are 0-2 oh in league play. Illinois does have the game at home, even though there's going to be about, what, 25,000, 30,000 people there on a Friday night. Yep. Not, not a great spotlight on this game, but probably where it should be assigned given the Big Ten schedule this week. Nebraska has a bye week following Illinois. And then after that, as you mentioned, Northwestern and Purdue, followed by Michigan State. 
if you look at those four games all together, I mean, that's essentially October and then the first week of November. Can Nebraska win them? Yeah, they could go 4-0. They could go 0-4. I don't think that fans should start to put any expectation on any of it. <laughs> Just enjoy the football. Yes. Because as, we have, as we've learned with this team, they can look good. Look at the first half against Colorado. I thought they played well. Look at the first half against Minnesota. There's been some good football with this team. They've also looked pretty bad. Mm -hmm. And so this is truly a week-by-week situation for the Huskers. Which team shows up? How healthy are they? You know, when you're down on the depth chart, as they are in multiple positions, that can definitely play a factor in how your team's going to perform. So it's hard to predict what's going to happen on November 4th when you have zero clue who's going to be available in that game. Jeff Sims may be quarterbacking that, the team right then. Mm-hmm. Jeff Sims could be quarter, quarterbacking the team this Friday. Mm-hmm. So, again, I, I know we like to all look at games and say, oh, that's a win, that's a lot. It's really difficult right now because of what the, the coaching staff is trying to accomplish. Yeah, they want to win games, but more importantly, they want to build, as Matt Rule said, he wants to build the foundation to last. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to forfeit a little, little bit of your time trying to perfect a game plan for the sake of building it to last and instilling that tough, hard-nosed, gritty culture that they want to put in place. Look at Sunday. It's the perfect example. Mm-hmm. Could they have moved directly onto Illinois and start scouting the Fighting Illini? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what they typically do on Sunday. A walkthrough, rehash the game, look ahead, go home. Now we're on to Monday in the game week. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-uh. Let's put the ball on the field, and we're going to play football. Mm -hmm. And apparently it looked pretty good. So that's an example of this coaching staff. They're not going to rob Peter to pay Paul. They're going to do what they feel is in the best long-term interest of this team in the program. And I wonder if we're going to see some of that reflected with some of their personnel decisions. Mm -hmm. Because as the season progresses, perhaps you start playing more freshmen or giving the freshmen that are not going to redshirt this year even more opportunities because you know the payoff. It may not come in 2023, but it could in 2025. Mm Mm-hmm. And DeAndre Barnes is the name we heard about in that exact same vein who showed up on the depth chart now. True freshman, I think, from Colorado. Um, but I I think, again, when, when Rule was asked, you know, is this Heinrich Harburg's team? Now can we say he's the starting quarterback? He still wouldn't say. I feel like it maybe might be in that vein, though, where, you know, Jeff Sims, he was only going to have really this year to play. But Harburg could be your starting quarterback for the next two and a half, half years. The rest of this year and the next two years. What do you think about that, Chase? Well, I think I think you're putting a lot of chips on the table if you're saying Harburg is going to start the next two seasons. But um, yeah, I think that I think that Jeff Sims like definitely has still a chance to play. If that's exactly what you were asking, I think that he's a guy that came to Nebraska to play and has a ton of experience. So. I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what to say on that. Besides, I think we see both of them the rest of the season. It, it's interesting. Marcus Satterfield said that 
he expects to see Jeff Sims on the field sooner rather than later. He's not 100% as of Tuesday ahead of the Illinois game, but he continues to make progress. And additionally, Matt Rule said in terms of Jeff Sims' injury, he thought the ankle sprains are really hard to overcome. He was thinking it was going to be about a four-week situation. So if you do the math of when Colorado was, this isn't out of – the window in which Matt Rule thought that he would have to coach the team without Jeff Sims. Mm -hmm. I know that Heinrich has played pretty well. Yeah. And so the fans have kind of mentally identified him as the starting quarterback, but it could change. Yeah. And I don't think that fans should be so dismissive to the idea of Jeff, uh, Jeff Sims regaining the starting role. And it's not by anything Heinrich has done wrong. No. I mean, outside of, a few errors that I can think of. Like, he's played pretty solid football. We saw him throw the ball better against Michigan than he did against Louisiana Tech. Um, all this to say that quarterback situation could, could mix around and it could change the outlook of the season. And DeAndre Barnes, Bill, you brought up his name. Like, this coaching staff is willing to look at everything with a critical eye. Mm -hmm. I've talked about this in previous week podcasts. It seemed as if with Scott Frost and previous coaches that you kind of have your guys who are on the upper crust of the roster. And if there's a depth chart change, it's just a guy jumping somebody from two to one or three to two. Now we're seeing guys appear on the depth chart out of nowhere. And there's a couple of things at play here. One is they're proving it at practice. And two, the coaching staff isn't so willing to say, and now you're still a ways off. Go back to the scout team. Mm -hmm. They're willing to give it a thought. Josh Fleeks, we were told, was not going to be playing running back against Michigan because he just changed positions. He rips off a 74-yard touchdown run, which is the only score of the game, and it preserves Nebraska's streak, which dates back to 1996, in which they have scored at least one point in every game since Arizona State 96. And now is listed as the number two running back on the depth chart. And two weeks ago, not on the depth chart at all. Mm -hmm. So, it's, it's an ever-moving target with this Nebraska football team. And depending upon how the upcoming games go, the target could really maybe get zoned in and defined a little bit more, or maybe not. You know, maybe you have... Another guy who comes on the scene, gets a job, and just holds on to it. Mm -hmm. And You know, Deshaun Singleton, it sounds like we heard from Rule yesterday, out for an extended period of time. So, again, you're going to get some shuffling back there in the secondary to replace him. Luke Reimer also ruled out already for this Friday's game. Uh, again, still not 100% sure what exactly is going on there. But, uh, so, again, you're going to have some guys. I mean, those, I mean two guys, single-digit numbers. Two of your better players on defense, so you got to, you know, you got to fill some fill some holes there. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think you know you'll see more action from Phelan Sanford. Um, Isaac Gifford was not in the exact role that he usually is at times on Saturday, um, and then you you might you know get to see Tommy Hill play a little bit more and some younger players. So I think uh, this is honestly a secondary that we came into the season with a lot of confidence in and like Marcus Buford Jr. Like a lot of, um, a lot of experience was in the secondary. Right. And 
Now you're a little bit depleted, but you still have some guys that have played a decent amount of football. And I think the biggest part of the secondary, especially in this next stretch of games, will be having help from the front seven. No sacks in the past two games. They need some pressure on the quarterback to because J.J. McCarthy had pretty much all day at times. And even on that touchdown run, there wasn't a Husker that even got Sniffed within him. six feet of him. Right. So um, I think it kind of starts up front. You need the defensive line to wreck havoc and make it tougher on the quarterback. So the secondary doesn't have a ton of weight on them. Because if a quarterback has 10 seconds in the pocket, you know, even Illinois' quarterback, who's got seven picks on the season, is going to be able to find guys. And well, hopefully they'll get some help. Sounds like Cam Lenhart might be back uh, this weekend. And that would, again, he's one of those players. Rule said it on Monday. They have players who can wreck a game, and he wants to see him wreck the game. So when you heard that quote, who did, who came to your mind? Honestly, more of the front seven kind of came to mind. Okay. Because that was my first thought was, who's he talking about? I, I couldn't quickly identify when he said we need our best players to take over a game we need our players that can wreck a game, wreck a game. I honestly paused and thought, who's he, who are those guys? My, my first thought went to Nash, Ty Robinson on the front, Cam Lenhart, and Nick I'm, Henrich. Okay, I'm going to pause you right there. I get it, and I, I get that those are names that would come to your mind because they are really good players on Nebraska's mm -hmm. roster. But you know how hard it is for a defensive Line, interior defensive lineman to wreck a game. Yeah. Like, in Dominican Sue, that, that's not normal. No. Like, no, he not. could wreck games and single-handedly win games from the nose guard position. That does not happen. Mm -hmm. uh, Aaron Donald of the Rams, like, he could do it. But, again, he's a freak. Mm -hmm. There aren't that many guys nationally, and even in college and the NFL, where you can completely alter a game – from the interior defensive line. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I, I hear what you're saying. Ty Robinson, Nash Upmaker. Yeah, but it's so hard for a guy with all the traffic in front of you and typically going against some of the more mobile and stronger guys on the opposing team to have that great of an impact on a game. Mm -hmm. So that's where maybe where I struggled a little bit to understand, like, who the wreckers are. Mm -hmm. Chase, who who do you think of? Well, I actually think – I agree with you. I don't think a Nash Hutmiker is really going to be the record game because, like, his job is to occupy offensive linemen to let the linebackers make some plays. Obviously, Luke Reimer is a game wrecker. He's out. Um, I would say you want to see more from MJ Sherman um, and see what he can do off of the edge. He can wreck a game. I think Chief, Chief Borders yeah. – has honestly not underwhelmed this season, but just not been as what I expected as an SEC football transfer from Florida and having a lot of play. Maybe they're not using them right. I just haven't seen a ton of them. Uh, and then, you know, guys off the edge that can wreck a game. Like, there is players like Malcolm Hartzog and even Quentin Newsom that can lay a boom at times that, you know, I, I want to see a forced fumble, right? We haven't where, – where, where are those coming from? Yeah. I think that's maybe what he's talking about. But yeah. even, like, in reference to the Michigan game, you know, did Malcolm Hartsock and Quentin Newsom have a ton of uh, opportunities to change the game? No. No. So I, th that's, I guess, to take you inside my psyche 
in the way that I listened to that quote and I understand what he was saying, but the way I interpreted it might have been a little bit different than most other people. And wreck a game is a term that you would attach to defense. Mm -hmm. I think he has the same spirit about the offense. He needs guys to go make plays that can help you try to win a game. You Mm -hmm. just wouldn't use the phrase wreck a game. Um, But I still think the sentiment is there when Matt Rule thinks of his offense and talks about his offense. But again, who who is Nebraska's game changer on on offense last year? Trey Palmer. The drop-off at receiver is pretty large. Mm -hmm. If you want a game changer in the backfield, it's Anthony Grant. Well, who's his sidekick to give him a breather so he can come back and have fresh legs? He's not there. Or it's Quentin Ives. Or it's Josh Fleeks. So there are just so many things at play. I'm not saying that Nebraska does not have the personnel to have game-changing plays. I just think it's a little bit more of an interesting study given the healthy talent that we're currently working with in terms of Nebraska's coaching staff. So staying with football again, Friday, 7 o'clock kick. Uh, you have Ryan Walters. Or excuse me. No. Brett Bielema. Brett Bielema. Sorry. They lost that's their, Purdue. They, they lost that's right. They lost their defensive coordinator, Ryan Walters, uh, who became the head coach at Purdue. Um, again, Kevin, you mentioned it. Three and a half is the spread. Uh, again, Illinois favored, which usually you get about three or four points for being at home. So it's about a pick'em game um, between two, two and three overall teams, zero and two in the Big Ten Conference. So Chase, you're going to be there. You excited to uh, make your first road trip with the team? Yeah, uh, you know, on the old suit stomping grounds, I like to call it, uh, <laughs> in good old Champagne. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what Nebraska can do against an opponent that I think is kind of having a, a similar season along. And to be honest, for Illinois, you know, they put out some NFL talent last last season. We even saw it last night if you were watching Monday Night Football uh, with Witherspoon for the Seahawks. Um, fantastic corner. So they lost some really good talent on that defense, including Ryan Walters. Um, actually, uh former Missouri Tiger Ryan Walters. He was on a coaching staff in the in the way back when. But uh, And this defense has shown to not be as good. You know, you lose some NFL guys, but you also lose your coordinator. And I think Nebraska's going to be able to score. You know, Purdue hung 44 points last week, and this is a Purdue team now, coached by Ryan Walters, that – isn't the same Purdue team from a season ago with Aiden O'Connell. So, like, I, I think this this is going to be a fun game. It's going to be a test. But going back to what Rule said, like, this is going to tell a lot going into the bye week. And I think Nebraska fans just want to see a competitive game because it felt like Nebraska's games have just gotten away from them. Besides the Minnesota game, there hasn't been a fourth quarter that Nebraska's had to go up and win, right? Well, Illinois is allowing 30 points per game. Yeah. And they're worst in the Big Ten in rushing defense. And they're second to last, third to last, excuse me, in passing defense. So they give up yardage. They give up points. If Nebraska, I don't care if it's Jeff Sims or Heinrich, or Heinrich Harburg or Chubba Purdy, if Nebraska cannot score against this Illinois defense, you know, it's going to be tough sledding the rest of the season because th- this is a defense. They do have two really good interior defensive linemen. They call them the law firm. It's uh, Newton and – sorry, the other player is escaping me at the moment. Uh, but th- but they're two all Big Ten 
D lineman that they have up front. Um, it's really bothering me. I can't think of Newton and I want to say Keith Law, Randolph. Like, Randolph, there you go. Thank you so much. Randolph. I think Randolph, by the way, ranks among the top five in the Big Ten in tackles as a defensive lineman. That's impressive. That's very impressive. So you've got those two up front, but this defense, the back end is – and they give up some big plays. Mm-hmm. So that that's maybe the matchup to watch is what does Nebraska do offensively, knowing that there are some big shots you can probably hit against this team. Um, and that's when Nebraska has the football. What's the one place that Chase and any Husker fan who might be traveling to Champaign needs to stop to eat? Well, what's your budget? Ooh, well, let's just say... I don't know. Because I have, I have some friends that are going to the game... Uh, on Thursday, well, they're leaving Thursday. They'll be at the game on Friday. And one of the guys asked me just the other day, like, give me the recommendations. And I, I, I typed out like a 200-word text message <laughs> with, here's where you go if you're looking for food. This is, or, or, these are some things you should do around town. You want to know food? food? I'll say this. They have a place called The Ribeye. It's really close to uh, Illinois' Memorial Stadium. It is comparable to Misty's here. Okay. It's got a lot of... Old Illinois memorabilia on the walls, and it's just got a nice vibe, and it's really good food. It's a steakhouse. So the ribeye will give you a little bit of a Misty's vibe. I will always say, though, you have to have Monocle's Pizza. I think the Monocle's Pizza is outstanding. It's not Chicago-style pizza. It's thin crust, and I've eaten it so much in my life, it's like running through my veins. (laughs) Chase, I would have liked to have seen you taking notes here. As well, the, I got the uh, I I got forwarded this um, this hefty and informative text message from <laughs> uh, from Kevin. So I yeah I I'll be uh, if I have time, you know, try maybe try monocles, you know. But you know, Valentino's for the Huskers is I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that should be in your veins, Kevin, if you're talking about pizza. Uh, well. The other thing, Black, if we're talking, I mean, we could do a whole podcast on my recommendations for the University of Illinois and where to eat there. But Black Dog uh, Smoke and Ale House, it's a barbecue Ooh. joint, fan. That just sounds good. I know there have been some other media members from the Nebraska Media Corps that have gone there on these trips, and every one of them, no one will say a bad thing. The place is fantastic. All right. Well, maybe I want to go now. You need a photographer, be your photographer this weekend, right, Chase, or Friday? I would use I could use a phone tag, but you know, couldn't we all, right? So, yes, we could. Sticking, uh, yeah. Uh, I say sticking with football real quick. Well, the one thing we didn't get to talk about last week, but was announced last week, Memorial Stadium renovations. Kevin, just want to get your thoughts. I mean, estimated price tag four hundred and fifty million dollars. Uh, wants to be finished by the beginning of the twenty twenty six season. They're planning, hopefully, one disruption, one year of disruption, one season. But sounds like Trev is maybe expecting it. It could be too. There's a lot of gripes about taking some seating out of Memorial Stadium, and I get that. I get it. It's. I look at this from a totally different view than a lot of other people. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a season ticket holder, so I do understand maybe the strain that this is going to have on people that want to get inside Memorial Stadium. But there are some trends nationally that some stadiums attendance is decreasing because you're fighting for people's time Mm -hmm. and the viewing experience at home is probably better than it has ever been because now you have all the YouTube TV and uh, all these other ways you can watch multiple games at one time. So there has to be an appeal. If you can make it more comfortable to be there, uh, I think that's, 
I think that's part of the equation here. And Trev Alberts just seemed like he was – he had turned over every stone when thinking about what could potentially happen to Memorial Stadium. Two space for um, handicap seating, points of sale, the way they want people to be able to walk around Memorial Stadium, be able to be inside Memorial Stadium more than just seven times in a year to – what the game day experience is like. It was a very thorough presentation that I felt Trev Alberts laid out for the media and then all the uh, ticket holders and fans of the program that were watching the press conference. Of course, it'll go before the Board of Regents later this week. Yeah, I believe that's going to be Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. So the uh, whole South Stadium teardown chase, and, you know, this sounds like the students, they're going to have to find some place to put them for that one maybe two seasons that they're not going to be there. Um, but then, you know, it sounds like the students are going to get pretty ideal seats once that new South Stadium concourse is built. Yeah, we'll just have to see where and what the new vision of the Boneyard looks like. Um, and, yeah, if I was a student having limited seating and, you know, they've even talked about the idea of doing a potential lottery for tickets, that's hard. You know, that's not something that you want. But the – and I've talked to a few – of the Nebraska football media members and some people that work on staff that the only way to do this right is to completely tear it down. You can see Vanderbilt this season in college football, they have a hanging scoreboard and there's a lot of flack going at, but that's how you do it right. Right. And so there's been a ton of programs that there's been a lot of models, right. And Trev even talked about how they went and looked at Wisconsin and looked at other places. They even went and looked at the Cubs because they wanted to see a place that has so much history, just like Memorial Stadium. How do you go in and improve that for the better? And the way to do that is to start from the ground up. And they, they can't just, you know, stick a shiny new car on top of an old stadium. Like, this isn't Soldier Field in Chicago. You know, you have to tear down, right? And I think the other thing, too, is that, sure, you're displacing students for a short period of time, but be able to have a 360 concourse like it surprised me that some fans that come in if they came in in the wrong gate they'd have to exit to get to their seats it's i think it will you know it's it's a far ways down the road lights at the end of the tunnel it's a long tunnel but it's the right thing to do so yeah they'll have a 360 degree concourse on one level 270 degree concourse on another level uh, much more connected. I really like, me personally, again, as a graduate of the University of Nebraska, the integrating more academic space into uh, the stadium, which, again, you know, when you think about it, it's kind of like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, almost making it like a student union. So I'll be excited to see uh, what all that looks like. Uh, hey, you know, a stadium that recently, well, within the past five to ten years, renovated and moved the students into an end zone? Chase is going to see it on Friday. Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. Like all their students sit about midway up the goalposts on the what would be the north end zone in Champaign. Okay. So I don't know that that's really the blueprint they're going after because that Memorial Stadium seats about 60,000. Mm-hmm. Nebraska is going to be around mid-70s. Mid-70s. Yeah. Um, so it's not exactly apples to apples, but in terms of moving a student section, there's an example of a university that has done it recently. And it seems to have really worked there uh, because it kind of became its own little party zone up there. <laughs> and 
Oftentimes, there will be a team kicking right, right into those goalposts, and that's where all the students are, and it can get a little rowdy. I can imagine. Um, yeah, so that I mean, that's obviously a project that's we're going to talk about a lot over the next couple of years. Uh, so it'll be interesting to watch watch that through time. Volleyball, 2-0 last week on the road. Purdue and Indiana had a scare. Had to go five sets against Purdue. Uh, it looked like Indiana was going to take the first two sets, but John Cook apparently has an impeccable challenge record. Went, I think, 10 and ten for 10 uh, between the two matches last week, and they managed to flip that second set and then won uh, in four sets against Indiana. Pretty he said impressive. he wants a bonus for every challenge that he wins. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, but he, he has, has been... share it, though, with Jalen Reyes. Yeah, and, and John won't take all the credit. Jalen does get a lot of it because apparently he's got the eye for... Um, what is in, what is out, what is touched, what is not. But mm -hmm. this volleyball team is 13-0. It's best start since 2008. And picking up a couple of wins on the road where they really got to dig down deep and just be two points better, that's a good sign for this team considering the youth. And for a lot of these girls, they have not played many college volleyball road matches. Mm -hmm. The Huskers will do it again this week when they head up to Michigan. And you had three Huskers take home uh, weekly awards. Uh, Merritt Beeson, Big Ten Player of the Week. Bergen Riley, Big Ten co-setter of the week. Harper Murray, Big Ten freshman of the week. Again, still ranked second chase in the latest ABCA poll, uh, still behind Wisconsin. But going on a Michigan tour this week. Yeah, it's a homecoming for Harper Murray. I'm sure you guys will see that in the broadcast online. Um, she gets to play her sister on Michigan, which will be cool. Uh, a great story there. Um, but, yeah, it's, it was a fantastic week. It's the second straight week that um, – Bergen Riley takes home setter of the week or co-setter this week. And, yeah, she's just putting the ball where it needs to be, 54 assists, a career high. Obviously, she's a freshman, so she'll be setting career highs all season long. But a career high on Friday night against Purdue. And then, you know, Harper Murray, the freshman of the week, it's her third freshman of the week honor. And we're only, what, seven weeks into the season? It's pretty impressive, this freshman class. And, uh, and they're getting the honors. You had Professor Cook speak this morning, uh, and he I mean, again. We, we as fans, I mean, me as a fan, you know, look and think, "Oh man, they played great." But Coach Cook was like, "Uh, uh, you know, all those service errors, you're taking away chances for Alexi Rodriguez to make a dig or for a Becca Alec to, uh, you know, have a block or something." That's like Coach that. Cook, though. He's yeah. he's like a perfectionist. He, he wants is. it to look awesome, and if it doesn't look Super awesome. We'll still be a little bit upset mm -hmm. because my takeaway from the weekend was well, they found a way to win. Yeah, I was expecting more of a positive vibe from the. Of course, he's happy that you know they get out of that weekend with two wins on the road, but that wasn't exactly the tune that he was singing. Mm -hmm. It was more we've got a lot to we, we've got a lot of room for growth with this team, and that's scary to think about because they are as as I mentioned they're thirteen and zero, they're ranked number two in the country behind only Wisconsin. Um, there's a chance for a few more victories this week. And 18 days away, I believe. 18 yeah. days, that Wisconsin matchup. Uh, Michigan State, I believe uh, they're fourth right now. They're 3-1 and one in conference, uh, but they have a decent record. Uh, Michigan, who they'll play on Saturday, I believe, they're at the bottom of the conference. Um, Michigan State, 6 p.m. Friday, that's on BTN+. Plus. Um, and then Saturday, Michigan at 7.30. Again, another Saturday evening, 7.30 on BTN. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so that's how you can watch those. I also want to throw a shout out. D2, Wayne State is currently number one in the Division Two poll, and UNK is currently number nine. So good volleyball across the state. Creighton also ranked, I think, 15th this week. So. And don't stop there. Concordia is number one in the NAIA. There you go. And so, if we want to keep going, we can shout out Midland, who's top 10 in the NAIA. I mean, they're like volleyball, college volleyball in this state. You can't is, throw a rock without it. Without it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, really quick, just because I think it was announced today, how do you feel about three Nebraska basketball games airing on Peacock this season? I didn't catch that. Yeah. You're gonna I think have... it will. I think it will make fans a little bit upset. I it, they took over the deal that. Um, was it ESPN Plus had last year or ESPN? They took over uh, whatever deal that the Big Ten had. And so now you get you get games on Peacock. So you're going to have the Oregon State game, the one they're playing in the Pentagon up in Sioux Falls. That's going to be on Peacock. You're going to get a home game against Purdue on Peacock and a home game against Ohio State on Peacock. All right, not that we need to get into all, all the logistics here, but you got to talk to Old Man Suits. Is, is Peacock free? No, I don't think it is free. No. I think you can do a free trial, but it's another yeah. one of those you're going to have to pay five bucks a month for Peacock. And I believe it's there's... the NBC streaming service. Yes. Well, I was aware of that. I just didn't know. What the process? <laughs> you can tell, obviously, right now. I, I don't have Peacock, and I've never watched Peacock. Yeah. So just looks another... like we're going to need to figure that out before the basketball season yes. rolls around. Yeah. So that's another thing that we'll have to worry about. Last thing I want to ask you before we let everyone go: If the NFL draft happened today, your Chicago Bears would have the top two picks. Who are you taking with your number one <laughs> and number two? Caleb Williams. I don't that's care one. if they have Justin well, who's, Fields. Who's two? Oh, I don't know. You, you can't ask me that right here on the spot. Is there an, is there an, obvious, is there an obvious answer? Mar Marvis Harrison Marvin Jr. Harrison. That's a pretty I, good I QB wide receiver combo. I don't know. How tough, dare you bring up the NFL I'm right sorry. Now. Tough times in, in, in Bearland. I'm sorry, Kevin. I, I just had to do it. Bearland. Like, last – since you brought it up. Fine. <laughs> indulge me for I 10 indulge. seconds. Yes. Last week may have been one of the worst weeks – in my professional sports fandom of my life. Because the Bears are probably, this is probably the worst the Bears have ever played that I can remember watching. And additionally, the Chicago Cubs ripped out my heart multiple times on the same week as they were trying to fight for a wild card berth into the MLB playoffs. They had a game where they, okay, I don't need to get into all the details. They completely tanked at the end of the year when they could have made the playoffs. Yeah. So, that was not a fun week. And then not to mention, we covered a, uh, a Nebraska football game that was not very entertaining, nope. and it was scorching hot. So, you know, that was just wonderful. Okay, that was my therapy session. There's more, but I'm stopping. I'm hoping for bigger and better things for you. Thank forward. you. All about me. Yes. 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 Uh, Chase, I don't know your, your professional team, so I can't needle you about anything. Um, so I, don't, I, I, can't, I can't say anything. So. Well, the Missouri Tigers are five and zero. So the Missouri Tigers are five and zero. We'll see if they're still five and zero after they play LSU this week. All right, guys. Anything else before we let everyone go this week? All right. Appreciate everyone for tuning in and for watching again from the Ten Eleven Now Streaming Studio. This has been another edition of the End Report Huskers Show. As always, again, keep it tuned to Ten Eleven both on air and online. 
for all of your latest news, weather, and sports. We'll see everyone again uh, maybe Friday evening. But until then, have a good one. You've been listening to the End Report Husker Show from 1011. Watch, listen, and stream on the 1011 Now app, on YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch the End Report on 1011 Sports at 6 and 10 p.m. And download the 1011 Now app.